TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Friday, January 19th edition of the show. It is a football Friday, a Joey football Friday. Joe Sampson is in the studio. He will join us momentarily. Philip Pilkin in producing. We're running out of football Fridays because the NFL playoffs just have a few weeks left. It is the divisional round. We'll make our weekly picks and we'll get into the standings as I'm making my way back to spot, spot number one, trying to catch Philip Pilkington, who has been leading all year in the picks for the most part. Joe also making a run. We'll get into that. We'll also talk some pirate basketball. We'll talk uh, a little bit of college basketball as well. We still got to get into the whole horns down situation, which we didn't have a chance to address yesterday. So we may do that over the course of the next hour. And we've, <laughs> as uh, Joe Sampson has popped up on our video screen, he is doing horns down. And we got to talk transfer portal because we're going to grade ECU's transfer class here momentarily. Joe, are you a big horns down guy? Yeah, I'm anti-Texas. I mean, that's going to upset some people, I'm sure. Um, my my girlfriend's sister's fiance is a huge Texas fan, so that's always a, a cool conversation when I'm like, yeah, great. Okay, cool. Horns down. Uh, but uh, you can't be the one that throws everything up and then get upset when people try and come back at you. I mean, it's the same thing as you trying to sit here and say that you're holy and mighty, but nobody can make fun of you. In the NFL, people make fun of celebrations. In college, people made fun of the Cam Newton Superman when they would get a sack on him at Auburn. Like You, you can't be that guy and not take it the same way you're giving it out. So UCF... And we'll bring in Philip for this conversation. UCF beat Texas on the road. I guess they were doing the horns down as they went through the handshake line. A few of the guys were. And uh, I'll, I'll just never forget how high and mighty Texas fans thought they were when they came to Clark Leclerc Stadium for a road super regional and they expected East Carolina fans to not boo or do horns down during the, what, the odds of Texas or whatever the heck they call that song. Yeah. Uh, it's just like it's just a really weird thing. Like, uh, what? I don't know. Like, they just seem to think it's like sacrilegious to do this stuff. I mean, this is sports, baby. Like, what are we doing, uh, Philip? What did you make of the whole situation with uh, Texas's coach and horns down and all that? Look, I mean, I get they were kind of doing it, you know, in the handshake line, and he has every reason to be a little ticked off. But those comments were totally out of line to be cussing at the kids in the line you could hear it on tv i think he said crap but in a way i'm not allowed to say on the radio two or three times and quit that crap and then to go on there and like go on a minute and 14 second rant in the post-game press conference like if you want to be mad whatever be mad but here's the big thing you were up by 16 at home and you lost why aren't you mad that you just blew a 16-point lead at home against a team that you are better than? Okay, you know what? You don't want them to do horns down, win the darn basketball game, and we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. How about that? How about you win, okay? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, are, are, are ECU fans, and maybe they will, are they going to get mad if people do like the hook upside down? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I, I don't like the hook, period. <clears throat> I'm not a big hook guy. You gotta go, more you gotta double. Yeah, you got to go the double. Crossbone. Got to go crossbow all day. It looks so much better than the hook. So we got to, first of all, we got to fix that. But if people go 
hooked down, are we getting offended, Joe? Or like, I mean, to me, it's just, I don't even see it as a big deal. No, nah, it's definitely not a big deal. I mean, maybe this might upset some people. But you got to win. You got to sit yourself in that kind of boat. I mean, if you get upset at people doing it after you lost, the first thing you have to do is control what you can control and win the dang game. So if you want to get upset at it, if we lost 58 to three, like we did, and Dave Doran, once again, come back in my mentions, Your guy. He, he, he throws that up. I mean, yeah, like he's mocking you, but also you lost by 55 in that scenario. And as the former player, like you can get as heated about it as you want, but at the end of the day, <laughs> your job's to win the game. Anything that happens after the fact is reaction or it's because you won the game and now it's cause effect all right we're live on facebook youtube if you want to weigh in a horns down i didn't know it'd be starting today with horns down but here we are uh christian bateman says usf with that massive comeback last night yeah they beat memphis on the road yeah men's hoops that was a pretty shocking score the american continues to be just kind of a weird league early on We've kind of said it's wide open. I think it stays that way. ECU clearly could have beat North Texas and went the other way. Tough loss. We'll, we'll talk some pirate hoops later. Hey, I, go, I got one missing. question while we're still yeah, on the horns down thing. Oh, because this is a this is a you know you asked Joe about the the, the hook upside down. I mean, do you get do you cry when people post Broncos country? Let's ride and they <laughs> post some stupid meme. Like I don't hear you crying about no. it. So do you cry no, about when they we bring deserve. up the Mariners playoff trout? I mean, look, I mean, when no, your team stinks, you deserve it. Like, I mean, you just – it's sports, man. you got to learn to take the trash talk because then when your team wins, you give it out. Like, that's what sports is all about. Like, yeah. to me, we, if you're getting that offended over a signal or something that your, your team does or a motto being made fun of, then – I don't really know why you're in sports to begin with. Like you got to expect that with the territory. I don't know why he's a head coach at that point. I mean, if you're so concerned with the player's reaction to you losing after you had a 16-point lead, worry more about your front court than you do about horns down. I agree. I agree. Maybe one day we can get Texas back at Clark Claire <laughs> because uh, I, I do have to say, though, ECU fans were too obsessed with doing horns down. Like, it was like that was awesome, 15 huh? to 2 in the eighth inning, and like everybody in the jungle was still doing like horns down. And Texas was winning. So, at least, like, we got to win the re- re- Super Regional first. That was the last game. All right. We won the first one. <sighs> that is true. It was the last one. Um, Christian Bateman, we'll go ahead and tackle this while he asks the question. Then we'll get into our spring transfer grades for football. He says, how much does this new basketball transfer make an impact right away? Well, first off, he's not a transfer. He's actually just a recruit. He's a high school freshman. East Carolina, in case you missed it, today has added a commitment, a mid-year commitment. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Uh, ben, I'm going to go Ben Vungo because uh, it's his first name is spelled B-E-N-C-A-O. He is from Angola. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm going to go Ben Vungo. Uh, ben Kyle Vungo, I don't know. Either way, 6'7 wing out of an academy in Orlando, Florida. Played for the Angolan national team where he shot about 43% from three-point range, averaged around nine points per game. I'll be honest, I don't know what to expect from this guy. I don't know a ton about him. He's an international guy. He is a, a freshman. To be honest, my expectations for this season are pretty low. I do think it's a good mood to add him. Uh, mid-season, you get to lock him up. You get to see what he's about. He can redshirt if he doesn't participate in the game and still have four years of eligibility, or you can go ahead and play him. He'll still have three years of eligibility. So, six, seven wing. He's built well, rebounder, good three point shooter. 
uh, just a really athletic wing. And uh, Joe, I just I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things. Until until the coaches see him in practice, he just got here yesterday. It's yeah. kind of hard to know what type of impact he'll make. Yeah, you won't know until you see him in practice, and that's going to be the big. I want to say measuring stick, but that's truly how you're going to determine this is you put him up against the Pinedos, you put him up against Debouge when he comes back, you give him a chance to go against Ben. I mean, if you get him against longer players like that and you see what he can do defensively on the slide, can he play in the post? Can he play on the wing? How is he in the front court? All those different things are going to be a factor to see if you can start to give him minutes because Brandon Johnson's playing your majority at that four position. And sometimes you're going to the five for him in that situation if you don't go with Callum. But if you want to bring him in and you want to stretch it and you want to go little small ball and I put small ball in air quotes because if you put Johnson at the five you can play this kid at the four now all of a sudden you have a whole different set than you were originally going to you don't have a true big man you can stretch the floor you can do those things but you won't know that until you've thrown him into practice yeah and a really you know built uh young man he he's physically gifted so I, I think if he can bring anything to the table right away it's it's one of those deals where he's athletic he can rebound he can score so we'll see We'll see kind of how uh, it transpires there. All right, let's get into our our spring grades here, guys, for football. We'll circle back to basketball. Christian adds, anyone is better than uh, Val Pinedo at this point. Uh, the camera's stuck on Joe. Joe, are you are you? Sorry about that. No, 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 it's my show now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna, I was listening. And I, I was go down trying here. to do. Just gonna just say Joey football. Trying to make sure I had my facts straight, making my notes. No, no, no. no it's it's okay. We we got it, Philip. Yeah. We know what you really hey, think. Joe is the real star of the show, so we just leave the camera on him. No, it's the real, better than leaving it on the real me. star of the show is sexiest voice in the Americans, Good Rogers. That is true. He just texted, by the way, in our group chat. Horns down. There we go. So, uh, Scooter Rogers, horns down guy. All right. <laughs> let's, let's give our uh, spring, uh, spring, spring transfer grades, guys. All right. So, East Carolina, the reason we're doing this now, the spring semester, as we just saw with Vungo, assuming that's how you pronounce it, getting into school, it's a situation where really today is kind of the last day. Really, last week was the last – last Friday was the last day to get these guys in school. But campus works with athletics to get some of these guys into school. So, East Carolina has 13 transfer portal scholarship additions for this semester. Well, I'll run over them right quick. What we're going to do is kind of assess this initial window. The additions will give grades. We'll go around the horn and kind of give a, a class grade, so to speak, on the initial window what we think uh, are positives from it, what we think still need to be added. We'll also talk about some of the transfer departures as well. So again, 13 guys added from the portal. Also, two transfer JUCO players who signed in December who are also here for the spring. So technically, you've added 15 transfers. So we'll, we'll group those guys into the mix as well. Here are the additions. Quarterback-wise, you've got Caton Hauser and you've got Jake Garcia. Uh, obviously, Hauser from Michigan State, Garcia coming from Missouri. Tight end, you add Casey Kelly, a grad transfer from Oregon who used to play at Ole Miss with John David Baker. You also added three wide receivers, Omega Blake from South Carolina, Winston Wright Jr. from Florida State, a former all-conference guy at West Virginia, and Anthony Smith from NC State. Offensive line, you add Kayshawn Sapp from Florida State who has three years of eligibility remaining. You also add Darius Bell, a guy who's played tackle and guard from Maine. And then the two Juco guys, Kendarius Small 
and also Jason Tarpe. Uh, so you add four guys there. Defensively, you add Jaden McKenzie, senior from Ohio State, defensive tackle. You also add an edge guy in Raheem Craig from Louisville. You add Damian Wilson, an inside linebacker from Missouri. And then in the secondary, you add Gavin Gibson, who's going to play kind of that nickel safety spot from Maryland. You also add Andrew Wilson-Lamp, cornerback from West Virginia. So that is a lot of additions. We'll talk about some of the departures coming up here. But we will start with Job. As I rattle off all those names, Joseph, <laughs> what do you make of the list? What do you like? And then kind of close it with a grade you would give this initial spring window. I think the first thing is given what you lost, you drop 25 players that enter the portal for different reasons and, and those various things, but you bring in 13 guys and then you take your high school class, you reloaded. You did what you had to do. You addressed key positions. I like the get of the tackle from Maine. I like his length. I like his ability to do those things and kind of play in different spots as far as leaving them on the island, putting them in full slide protection, however they deem to do that. And we're not sure how John David Baker is going to kind of dictate the offense. Is it quick set? Is it going to be vertical set? Is it going to be true screen game, quick game? There's a lot of questions to answer, but I like that pickup for sure. The Jake Garcia one was a little iffy to me i mean i I gave it a b minus initially i was like he's got great upside he's got great potential but he's yet to play enough for me to sit here and say he's an experienced guy to bring into the room and the same thing could be said for Caden hauser but hauser's ceiling i think is much higher uh the jade mckenzie one is a great one played three years now at ohio state coming here for his fourth i mean was a great kid out of wake forest known personally actually played against him for a couple years in high school he's good as far as the twitch goes he's got that little get off that you need for somebody on the interior who replaces McIver really well considering he hit the portal and he was a great productive guy same with Shuford but what really excited me was when Andrew Wilson Lamp came across our desk when you sent him and you talked about him committing I mean I I love everything about Lamp four-star kid checking his portal ranking everything about his tape when he was at West Virginia screams the DB you needed to replace Jackson and I think they did it immediately uh, Raheem Craig is also going to be a huge guy on the exterior. I, I think his ability to play on the edge put him in the rush. You replaced Jeremy Lewis really well, which is very difficult to do considering what he did for so many years. So my initial grade for the class is probably a B minus. I think there's some things you still need to address. You might need a couple more interior guys offensively, and you might need to go get another safety now. I think that's probably the only two places you really need to address. Philip, what did you? Uh, I was going to ask before oh, no, we get to Philip. What would you? What did you make of Casey Kelly, you know, you're a former tight end? Obviously, look, the tight end room, I think, is in good shape already. Mm-hmm. But, Joe, I think they could not pass up the opportunity to add a guy familiar with John David Baker who has played – he's played like 1,400 offensive snaps yeah. between Oregon and Ole Miss. So, he, he's played a lot. What did you make of that addition? I love it. I think given what you had in the room, I mean, Calhoun's the oldest guy in the room now, and that's a new position for him to be in. Normally, you have somebody who's older than you. You've had the grad transfer. I mean, we looked at Jarman. We looked at Ryan Jones. Looked at Zach Bird when he was there. All these things pointed to it. Now, you bring in another guy, so Calhoun and him can be the two older guys in the room, kind of mold the young guys. You got Antoine Jackson, who could kind of mold in or sorry Antoine Ferguson who could mold into what you need him to be and then you've got Riles who's now starting to find his footing and then Tyler Savage through the spring coming off his knee now is going to get a chance to really mold himself into that but what Casey brings is more than just on the field it's in the in the meeting rooms it's in the locker room you're going to have a guy who's got that 
new sense of what John David Baker wants. He can give you the the answers to the test before you take him because he'll tell you what he's looking for. Is he looking for you to get his eyes early? Are you looking to kind of sit out there, be the last read, are you the primary read? All those things kind of play into it. And I think spring's going to be a great thing for that. All right, Philip, we got a B minus from Joe. Are you going higher or lower than a B minus? Yeah, I'm going to go slightly higher. I think you can't go into the into like the A range really ever with a recruiting class of any kind, whether it be transfers or not, because they've, they've never played. Um, so I'm going to go a B plus. And the reason that I'm going to go a B plus is because there's no more important position in any sport than quarterback. And the fact that after a 2-10 and ten season, you addressed that. So that's the big reason that I'm going for the B plus. But building off of that, because that's the easy part, the part that I like about this recruiting class is the experience. A lot of times when you're a group of five team and you get guys from the power five ranks, they haven't played much. And when you and the big key with this is especially the outside guys have played a lot because the speed of the college game is so much different than the high school game. When you look, as previously mentioned, at cornerback Andrew Wilson-Lamp, who's played a lot. Omega Blake has seen decent playing time. The wide receiver and Winston Wright Jr., another wide receiver, come from Florida State. They've seen a lot of playing time at those levels, so they are ready for the speed of college football. Now, there are a couple guys that have maybe played a little less. When you look at a guy like Jaden McKenzie, a lot of his reps have been um, you know, kind of garbage time reps. But the great thing is he's a defensive lineman. And yet nothing simulates Graham reps. But when you're a backup D lineman, you're at least going against one of the greatest offensive lines in the country every day in inside run period. So when he gets used to going up against guys like that at inside run period, at goal line, and even on scout team, I think, yeah, he doesn't have as many game reps. But when he comes back down to the group of five level, it's closer almost simulated than maybe sometimes the guys on the outside, especially the, the DBs because the receivers are not always going hard in, in scout team. They're just more looking to see what look you give them. And uh, so I'm glad that our DBs have the experience in the game. Uh, speaking of outside guys, again, I know Casey Kelly's a tight end, but still he's used to the physicalness and the speed of the game in the pass pattern. So that's what I like about this group, the experience. Yeah, it would be nice to maybe have a few more JUCO guys that have really played a lot. Um, but, hey, you know, you mentioned the two JUCO offensive linemen. That's big. So I don't know if, you know, you got to come in with optimism. So I'm going to go B+, because especially because you got a quarterback. And um, like I said, there's no more – no more important position in all the sports, but uh, hopefully we can say it's an A-plus by the end of the year. Good breakdown, uh, Philip. and you say you can't go into A territory. Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe I'm being a homer here. I'm going A-minus, all right? I don't think you can give it an A because <clears throat> you definitely can't give it an A-plus because, I mean, it's that's basically perfect. But I think from a, <clears throat> from a needs perspective and the coaching staff going out, in attacking those needs, I feel like they did what they needed to do. And I, <clears throat> apparently I'm getting so choked up about it because uh, they did such <laughs> a good job. But uh, um, it's one of those situations, guys, where you had to add a corner. After losing Antoine Jackson, you had Andrew Wilson-Lamp. Gavin Gibson can also play corner. He can also play that nickel spot. We knew they needed to add a quarterback. What is the first transfer they got? Caden Hauser. Then we were like, all right, they need to add a second quarterback. How are they going to do this? They add Jake Garcia. You know, obviously he's got some question marks, I think, kind of given 
his background and how much he's moved around and he didn't play at all in Missouri last year, but for a second transfer quarterback, I think that's about as good of a job as you could do. Offensive line, it's tough to go out and get proven starters at the FBS level. NIL-wise, they cost a lot of money, so I do like the fact you took four linemen, and from what I heard, they're, they're going to add at least probably one or two more uh, this this spring. So I think you take as many guys as you can, and then you ramp up that competition as much as you can, and I think that's the right philosophy to take. You're never going to go out and get a bookend left tackle unless somebody from Team Boneyard is willing to pony up about $100,000. So you, you do it in numbers. I like that they did it in numbers at receiver. Yeah, Winston Wright can be kind of the headliner given his background, uh, but also like the fact you took two guys, that outside receiver and Omega Blake and Anthony Smith. You're not just taking kind of one guy at each position at a crucial need and counting on them. Because, look, history history tells us that you're probably going to bat about 50% in the portal. So for me, I take multiple guys at positions of need. That's exactly what ECU has done. I like Damian Wilson from Missouri, the linebacker, Raheem Craig, and Damian Wilson, both guys ECU targeted specifically at a high school for their scheme. To me, they went to other places that were not as good of fits for their scheme. I think they'll be better fits at East Carolina. I I really like Raheem Craig to kind of take that Jeremy Lewis role. He played more of a down defensive end at Louisville, and he's just not quite big enough. So overall, guys, I give it an A-, more so from the standpoint of they went out with the needs and attacked the needs. So I give the staff an A-. minus. Time will tell how it all works out. But I think anytime you do this, it creates competition. Now the the other factor of this, Joe, is, and you know as well as anybody because you've been on a team before, you know, how does all this come together? Like in winter workouts, do the new guys come in with the right attitude? Are any of them cocky because they come from quote-unquote bigger programs? So a lot of this too now comes down to the intangibles and how it all meshes together going forward. Yeah, I mean, the first thing they're going to do is you're going to get the guy's initial reaction, get into the team meeting. This will already have happened because of how enrollment worked. You stand up, name, former school, hometown. You got to do something. Got to get the guys in the room to either buy into what you are or what you're going to be. And especially as a quarterback, it can be difficult for them to come in because everybody's got such high expectations to see like how he's going to lead people. Is he going to be a quiet guy? Is he the overbearing guy? Is he the guy that gets you out of your seat? And that's really the first test. And then the second is when you have that first team run and the coaches are really going to give it to you and they want to make sure you were working out the same way you said you were over break. And the new transfers can be like, man, this isn't the school I've been at. This isn't what we do. Why are we working out outside? It's 19 degrees outside. Y'all don't have an indoor and all those things. These are former players that have actually said that and have now turned the corner and are going to give it to the same guys. I remember Ryan Jones was wearing sweatpants, second pair of sweatpants, had a hoodie, jacket, zipped up, hat on. He was like, man, it's 17 degrees outside. Why are we working out outside? And we're like, this is the East Carolina way. So he turned the corner, obviously, and was a great productive player for us. But it's a test, and that's how you have to kind of break these guys in. I do want to point out, you asked – about how you can kind of deem these guys and like dictate shooting 50% in the portal. And it's also going to come down to development of spring. I mean, you've got to get these guys now with Maddox as the new offensive line coach. John David Baker's got a whole new system. Magazoo's coming in as your safeties coach. You, you've had a lot of turnover, not in a bad way, but in productive ways as far as that goes. That That's also going to be a factor to see how they fit into the new scheme. No doubt. A lot of good stuff there from Joe. All right, long first segment. Let's get a break in. We'll come back. We will talk 
about some of the outgoing transfers, where they ended up, and if there were any surprises there, and guys maybe still looking for a home, that's a bit of a surprise. We'll discuss that. We'll talk a little bit of ECU basketball as well. When we come back, we got to get into NFL playoffs too later in the show, make our picks. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back. Hoist the Colors on this Friday, January 19th, Football Friday. We'll do NFL picks here in a little bit. All right, we just gave out our grades for the incoming transfer class for the spring semester. And we went through those names. There's about 15 guys, 13 portal scholarship guys, two JUCO offensive linemen as well. We included in that mix. Let's talk a little bit about the outgoing transfers. And we have 25 guys listed on 24-7 sports leaving the program. Now, I just counted 17 of those were on scholarship. You had several specialists who are going on to their next stop trying to earn scholarships. So 17 outgoing transfer guys have left the program to this point and really most of them have committed there's only a few because a lot of these guys obviously are trying to get into their other school for the spring semester uh we have not heard anything on a handful like rance connor the former louisville transfer who didn't really play at all last year for ecu ryan king same type of way pop mckay haven't seen anything yet and then Ra Rod Dilworth was committed to Troy. I was told actually got to Troy and then left. And now he is looking for another home. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor that situation. But you had Gerald Green, running back, followed Raekwon Boyette to Troy. Antoine Jackson went to UCF. Taylor Jackson went to Liberty. And those are kind of three of the big ones. Obviously, Mason Garcia to Austin P. But. I don't know. We'll start with Joe. Did any of the outgoing transfers thus thus far surprise you as far as just names or just where they ended up, anything like that? Yeah, Antoine Jackson's the immediate one. <laughs> I think everybody's a little surprised at the suddenness of how he hit the portal and where he wound up. I mean, I don't know how much of a vertical move it is to go to UCF these days. Uh, have What do they have, one Big 12 win in their new span yeah, of football? I think it's one or two. So... We have more wins against the Big 12 in that time than they do, but that's not the important part. I think it was just you expected him to go bigger given what he had, his platform, how he kind of handled things. I mean, his name popping up on the PFF All-American freshman list, which as we all know, PFF is God these days. That was the one that kind of surprised me for where he landed, but I really liked, I mean, I'm happy for Taylor Jackson. I think him going to Liberty is a good spot for him. He's from up there. He's a DMV kid, and he knows how to handle that. I mean, he's going to be the older guy who comes in now, and he's a great feel for experience. Got some good tape here. So I was happy to see that. Rich Pierce heading out to New Mexico. That was not on my bucket list. Got to be honest with you on that one. I didn't expect him to be a Lobos. Wish him the best. And then Shuford winding up at Marshall were a couple of surprises as well. I also got to mention Tegan Wilkes, significant name. Uh, he just entered the portal so early. Yeah. Actually in season, and then he was late to commit. He is going to Houston. He actually was offered late by Willie Fritz. I know he was looking at UConn, Eastern Michigan. Houston came in and got him. Uh, Philip, any of these outgoing names surprise you or disappoint you or just overall thoughts? Anything you want to add about the outgoing transfers? Yeah, the first – guy that as far as name that just came up that surprised me was Taylor Jackson um just you know he'd worked so hard to earn a starting job here and I thought he would stay but you know kind of to Joe's point you know him kind of going back home so the fact that that he did leave I'm not surprised where he ended up 
Um, Xavier McIver maybe going to UT Martin was a little weird. I thought, um, you know, I know he wasn't the you know the star here, but I thought he maybe could have gone to a a MAC program or a CUSA program and after drop down to the FCS level. But um, yeah, I guess those were kind of the two. I mean, you know, you brought up Antoine Jackson. I was surprised at the time that it happened, but like with the whole, how weird his commitment was, I knew he wasn't going to be here long. I figured if he did go, he would go to Miami. Um, so I kind of almost figured like he would maybe be here two years and then go to the U. So that's where he was originally committed, obviously. So uh, those are kind of the big ones for me, I guess. Joe, how surprised are you that Isaiah Foote, who was a full-time starter on the 2022 team, ends up at Western Illinois? And uh, you just kind of, uh, you know, went from a full-time starter last year to a part-time player and now to Western Illinois. Just, you know, I'm not saying foot, uh, you know, is wrong for going there, but it does kind of show the the grass isn't always greener. And then some of these guys ended up maybe not where they necessarily thought they would just because there's so many guys in the portal. <laughs> Everybody's in the portal these days. Uh, I, there was a number, I think it was, it was 133 FBS programs and 130 quarterbacks in the portal at the start of the window. And now with the 30-day windows of coaches leaving, obviously there's a couple shakeups that have come from that. It's not always what you're anticipating, and it's definitely not always going to be the school that you think it's going to be. So I wish Foot the best. I mean, to be his third offensive line coach now in three years, that, that is a huge thing to kind of handle and deal with. And for people who don't necessarily understand how big of a thing that is, that's a whole new terminology. It's a whole new system. You've gone from Shank, who for years would call it a slip block or he'd call it an ace. And then all of a sudden now you're getting into it and it's an under with another team or another coach in this case. And that third coach, Maddox, could have came in and now all of a sudden it's its own new terminology that you don't know. So fresh start for him. Good chance to kind of finish on a high note. I didn't love the level he's going to go play football at, but I think he'll be fine. I think given what he has and the experience he has, he'll be a great fit there. I do have to point out, and I, I never dog on anybody else, and I wish them the best, obviously, but Zion Agnew was a huge surprise considering the the hype that was around him when he committed here and what people were anticipating him to be and how he developed for him to kind of leave early and decide he's going to go to Lenore Ryan, which is a Division II school, was a very surprising move for me. And I wish him the best, obviously, but I think that was a drop in talent. I think, Joe, anytime – if you're that young and you don't have any tape whatsoever, and let's let's face it, if you're transferring from a two and ten football team, yeah, you know people will perceive that as you know you weren't good enough to see the field on a on a bad football team. Like it's it's hard to transfer without tape, right? I mean, if you don't have tape, you're not gonna you're not gonna go anywhere. No, this isn't this isn't like the NFL where it's like oh they will find you. No, no, no. If you don't have tape, if you can't prove something, if you can't show some practice tape, if you don't have some scout tape, some scrimmage tape. They don't know you. They don't care about high school. Once you get out of high school, stars don't matter. Rankings don't matter. Positions don't matter. If you were an athlete, all of a sudden, what did you play lately? It's not one of those, oh, but my potential is so much higher. These are coaches who are literally making their livelihood off 18 to 22-year-old kids. And we'll put that in air quotes because obviously there's some 25-year-olds. Speaking of which, nine years of college football for my guy down in Miami. Go to LinkedIn. Please go get a job. Give up. Give yourself a chance. Take your body while you still have it and go get a job, please. You've had four season-ending injuries. It's time to hang it up. But if you don't have the tape to try and get to these situations, it's truly just based off connections and the people you know. 
All right, quickly, we'll talk some basketball, guys. There's our transfer portal discussion. If anybody has any final points, questions, let us know. Uh, we will start to kind of turn the page to spring football going forward. By the way, we will have Elijah Morris on the show Monday morning. Uh, we, we've got uh, media day for baseball, so we're going to get Elijah in that morning. We're going to tape early. And then Tuesday, we're scheduled to have Kate Hauser in studio through Team Boneyard, the Michigan State transfer, so stay tuned for that. All right, Joe, ECU coming off back-to-back home basketball losses. You were at Wednesday's game. Brutal loss. You can't lose a game in much more frustrating fashion. There's ways, but not many. You know, it kind of reminds me of the, the time y'all lost at Temp- or at Tulsa excuse me, in 2020. There was controversy over the blown calls. There was a ton of hype. Hype that I created in some ways with the Thanks. Tulsa screw job moniker. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Um, I think so much of that bled into the next week, and then I remember vividly Tulane coming in and really whipping ECU at home, and it was a really disappointing game. So, like, I don't think the hype around the miss push off at the end is is quite that big. But I want to see ECU be careful in this spot going on the road at UAB. If they're so caught up on their last game losing in that fashion, the miss call. The same thing's going to happen Saturday. So if you're a player, how do you kind of move forward with such a short turnaround going on the road now and, and make sure that doesn't happen? It's it's difficult. Coach Mines used to always tell us, don't let yesterday's game beat you tomorrow. And I used to think that was an odd statement considering football and you have a week to prepare and all those different things. And then obviously you mentioned the, the Tulsa screw job. It carried with us for two or three weeks. I mean, you're so convinced that you were doing something or there was something you could have done better or, or anything like that. You get into your own head. The confidence is is gone. You're so far worried about what other people saw you to do and how that was kind of how it played out and where the refs are going to see you. Do you get this call? Do you need to act like you're not going to get this call? It throws you off. And I hope Schwartz has these guys buying into the right things. You're worried about practice the preparation you're worried about doing what you need to do in these situations you're not worried about the call you're not worried about the ref Ezra winds up four fouls towards the end of the game Ezra probably two or three of those calls could have gone either way could have been a push could have been hand check I mean could have been one of those things where they just kind of let it play and now is that going to get to his mind is he going to creep in do I need to be less aggressive on defense do I need to do these things differently and I hope Schwartz has these guys ready to go because UAB is not a bad basketball team their record may not dictate that they're great but they're a solid team they've got good scores and they've got a solid front court as well UAB really solid tradition uh, NCAA's tournament tradition and we're in the NIT final last year against North Texas losing that game they just smashed Tulane at home they historically are very tough in Bartow Arena so we've got the Birmingham matchup set for Saturday and then ECU's got to go back on the road to Wichita next Wednesday so really tough stretch it would be nice if they could find a way to steal one of these two on the road before coming back home, especially after a two-game home losing skid. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll transition to NFL playoffs. We've got to make our picks. It's the divisional round. Will there be any upsets this week? The NFC looking a little lopsided. Two nine-and-a-half-point spreads. We'll make our pick there. We also got to talk about our locks of the week and the fact that Philip busted and Joe and I locked it in once again. We'll discuss that. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on this Friday. 
It's our pick segments. We gave our transfer portal grades earlier. We talked some college basketball as well. It's now time to talk NFL playoffs. We've been making picks all season. I gained a game on Phillip last week, but he's still up by two games with seven games remaining. It's the divisional round. We've been making picks all year. And uh, let's start with our last week's lock of the week. Phillip, what do you have to say for yourself after locking in the Eagles to cover on the road at Tampa? And quite honestly, the Eagles look like maybe the worst NFL playoff team of all time. Yeah. Um, their OC needs to go. They don't know how to make adjustments. They got uh, zero blitzed every play, and they never put anybody in the middle of the field. And despite their roster being better, I do think Tampa Bay is better than what people give them credit for. There's still a lot of guys left from that Super Bowl team a couple years ago, but despite Philly still having a much better roster than Tampa, they got outcoached. And, um, yeah, fire the Eagles OC. Joe, I just want to congratulate you and myself on uh, incredible locks of the week, dueling locks of the week. We read that Jalen Hurts had not thrown a football all week, and it showed. Oh, he looked it. He, he looked like he hadn't picked a football up since grade school. He looked terrible. He did. And uh, unfortunately, guys, it makes for some unsexy NFC champion or I don't know NFC divisional round matchups. I don't know about I, you that. Think this, yes. You think Packers, Niners, and Bucks, Lions is, is sexy? I, I think Packers, Niners is a lot closer than people are going to give it credit for. <laughs> if we all remember the last time the Packers went out there, it was a dogfight. All right. Well, let's, I, I tell you what, let's start there. We will start with Packers, Niners. Niners, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in the Bay, actually in Santa Clara because they don't actually play in San Francisco. But who, who really knows that? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think they're going to absolutely roll the Packers. I think this off week, I think the Packers did what they you – know, they, they basically played the best game ever. And I think that they cannot – top that and I think they're going to have a letdown I'm going Niners Niners big Joe I think this is a difficult one for people to hear but Brock Purdy's a game manager and we saw how the Packers handled the game manager that is Dakota Prescott and the Cowgirls in Arlington Texas which is why I think the Packers take this one I think there's too much upside for what the Packers can do I think Christian Watson has another great game Romeo Dobbs does Romeo Dobbs things and that uh, Aaron Jones guy is pretty good in the backfield so uh, I do expect for it to be about. I don't necessarily know if the Packers come away outright, but I do like them in the nine and a half. Philip, I never pick a team to win by more than ten in the NFL, but never say never. The 49ers are rested. Their starters haven't played in 21 days. I do not think they come out rusty. I think Shanahan has them fired up. I don't think the Packers can stop the guy who should win NFL MVP, Christian McCaffrey, bring back, bringing it, giving it to running backs. And uh, this 49ers offense is just too much for Green Bay. Yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey runs for at least 130. Yeah. He will expose the Green Bay Packers and the Niners will roll. All right. Texas Niners Ravens. 27 24. That's all you need. That's very, it's possible. Guys, has every Texans playoff game in history been on Saturday afternoon? Because it feels that way. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think everyone but one, actually. I think the one. No, because when they played the Browns in that wild card game, not even that one, when they played them the first time with Deshaun, that was a Saturday, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and then all the games always... back in the day with like. Uh, I feel like there's one. I feel like there was like an Arian Foster game. Where they may have Sunday. won one when they went to Kansas City after upsetting somebody. Yeah, in the I first think, round. I think that might have been a Sunday. That may, yeah, because remember, like I think it was like a Sunday at one. That was when they were big on Casey, like twenty four nothing, and they yeah, got blown then, out. <laughs> and yeah. Kansas City came I don't back. remember. Well, it, if not all, the majority have definitely been. On Saturday afternoon, and that will continue as the Ravens will host the Texans 4:30 on Saturday afternoon to kick off the divisional round. The Ravens, just like the Niners, they are a nine and a half point favorite, guys, at home. Again, team coming off a bye, huge home favorite. I actually like the Texans to stick around here. I think CJ Stroud is the real deal. He showed it last week. I don't think they win, but I do think the Texans cover nine and a half. Give me Houston on the road, Joe. Anson, belt, and buckle, lock of the week. Stroud boys, Stroud boys, what they going to do? It's time for the Texans to cement themselves as the team to beat in the AFC South. They already won the division. It's time to let people know for years to come that that division will run through Houston. I look for C.J. Stroud to have a great game, which is why my Anson belt and buckle lock of the week is C.J. Stroud, 200-plus yards and two touchdowns, and the Texans win outright. Phillip. All right, you're crazy. I have not been high on the Texans this year just solely because they can't really sustain drives. They rely on explosion plays, but they'll get a lot of drives and a lot of opportunities to have explosion plays. This is going to be a possession or a high possession game. I think the drives will go quick. I think both teams will score quick, and I think the Ravens come out just a little rusty, just enough to let the Texans cover the plus nine and a half. All right, Bucks Lions, the Sunday NFC game. Lions are six and a half point favorite at home. I'm a little worried about the Lions let down here. First home win in forever, or first playoff win in forever. I'm torn. At the end of the day, it's it's again, it's the Bucks and they're not that good. Much like the Packers, I think they overachieved last week and they have even more of a letdown than the Lions. So I think the, I think this game is close. The Lions pull away late to go to the NFC title. Give me the Lions to cover six and a half. Joe. Give me the Lions to cover six and a half. Nothing but grit up in Detroit. You can see it. You can smell it. You can bite off some kneecaps, and Dan Campbell will have the boys ready to go. I don't think that the Buccaneers have enough offense to try and react to what the defense of Detroit can do. Give me the Lions, Phillip. Yeah, I think the, this is one of those lines are up by three late, and they score a touchdown to put them away. Win it by ten or so. Give me Detroit. Jared Goff, you're good enough for Detroit. And this dude really has a grit. You're dang right I do. I love Dan Campbell. I told people in a group chat, I'll go find the screenshot. Dan Campbell will turn the Lions around. I said, I'm officially announcing it. I'm a Dan Campbell fan, and we sit here two years later. I just want to know what's coming up. Do I go and have this? I have the same locks of the week, or are they opposite? Ooh. Chiefs at Bills. Bills, three-point home favorites. I'm all in on Buffalo, guys, as my Super Bowl pick. I am on them this week. Lock of the wheat, Anson Belt and Buckle. Buffalo wins this game outright. They cover the three. First ever playoff game on the road for Patty Mahomes. The Chiefs, in my opinion, not that good to begin with. Now they got to go to Buffalo. I think this is a good Josh Allen game, and Buffalo heads to the AFC title game. Give me the Bills. Joe. 
I'm going to take Kansas City, and not for the reasons people think. That's because the Islamic State that is the Buffalo Bills comes crumbling down this weekend. They are so concerned about the Chiefs coming in to Highmark Stadium or whatever the heck they call it these days, and they want to talk about the home field advantage in Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid is still Andy Reid. You've got Shawnee McDermott over there drawing stuff up in the dirt, and you're forgetting about the explosion that is Kansas City. The offense of Kansas City is going to walk the defense of the Buffalo Bills, and I think Josh Allen looks like the concussed individual we all know him to be, the same way he did against the New York Jets in week one. Give me the Chiefs. Philip. Well, Joe, Patrick Mahomes' worst career playoff game was the only thing close to a road playoff game. They went to Tampa in the Super Bowl and played the Bucks. As you know, in the Super Bowl, half the people there are executives from the big sponsors, and it's a neutral site game. There were also only 25,000 people there because COVID, and I could go on all it day about that. It was literally in yep. Tampa Bay yep. playing and, the Bucks. Yeah, and that was the closest thing he's ever yeah, played okay. to a road playoff game. And he looks like crap, and he's going to look like crap on Sunday afternoon. The Anson Belton Buckle lock of the week is the Buffalo Bills, and I have already picked them this year, I do not agree with Iger. They're going to win the Super Bowl, but they are getting to the Super Bowl. They're going to win this, and they're going to beat the Ravens next week in Baltimore. Lamar's a fraud in the playoffs. There you go. There's our picks. We'll get our final break in. We'll come back. We will wrap up the show. Hoist the colors. Friday. See you after this. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the colors. Final few minutes here. Philip, you know what I just realized during the break is we have the same exact picks, and therefore I cannot gain any ground on you. Yeah, you should have let me go first. So you could just we pick may the have opposite. to mix that up. Yeah. For next week, because I mean, either way, I'm still going to be down too. I think Joe is like, I think there's no mathematical way unless we all pick different games and Joe won every game. He he could. Make up the difference. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. It is what it is, man. That's fine. I I, I tell we'll you, I love my picks this week. We'll see. I feel good about them. We'll see. I'll stick with them, and then I'll make the run in the NFC t- in the AFC NFC Championship week, and then it'll come down to the Super Bowl. That's what's going to happen. Maybe the Super Bowl counts too. It's my show. I can do Super Bowl counts want, five. Right? Super Bowl counts five. That's Joe trying five, to sneak his it? way into letting Super Bowl Super, counts two. Super Bowl counts fifty. <laughs> Winner take all. No game seven. Shut up. <laughs> ECU guys plays Saturday in basketball at 3 Texans is at 4.30 what game excites you more quick around the horn here Joe uh, it's got to be the boys down in Birmingham I mean such a great city great atmosphere for the Don't Pirates lie. great history nah CJ Stroud I'm, I'm sorry Brandon I mean we're good good friends 919 buddies but uh, I cannot wait to watch him sling that thing he can toss it I can't wait. Phil. Yeah, definitely the NFL game. I thought you were a true pirate, Phil. Uh, sure. <laughs> I am, but come on. I mean CJ Stroud. Uh, you know what? You know what, Mike Schwartz and team prove me wrong. Go out there and and win there a game on the road. You've you let go. me down the last two games and, and I'm upset. <laughs> prove me wrong. I <laughs> I can understand. All right, guys. That'll do it for today's show. Joe, appreciate you. Philip, appreciate you as always. We'll be back Monday 
9.30 a.m. We're live streaming because media day for baseball around lunchtime. So we'll replay the show at 12 noon on the radio, but we'll be live on YouTube and Facebook with Elijah Morris at 9.30 a.m. This has been Hoisted Colors. We'll talk to you next week. See you then. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo.